0: happy friday welcome to the program pete Calliner here news talk 1110 993 wbt 704-570-1110 and uh 1-800-wbt-1110 the email is pete at the pete um so i think this is the fundamental question that now uh republicans are going to have to answer Donald Trump is going to make his announcement on Tuesday. I think it's going to be at like nine o'clock at night or something like that. Um, And uh, it's expected that he's going to announce that he's uh, he is, in fact, going to uh, run for president again. And so all of the arguments and all that we have seen so far over the last, I would say, probably, well, I guess it started with Trump's attack on Ron DeSantis on. uh, Was it over the weekend right before the election or something or Monday before Election Day? So over the last, say, five or six days, this has been sort of brewing under the surface. And then yesterday it kind of erupted because uh, Trump's attack on DeSantis. And um, and it was, you know, it was more overt. And then, of course, he put out the lengthy social uh, truth, social uh, post yesterday after I got off the air. And he went on a rant against Ron DeSantis. And now again, this morning, he took a shot at Glenn Youngkin. And obviously, these are the two people, I guess, that he thinks are uh, going to be competitors or could be competitors against him in the primary. I would note uh, right now that Ron DeSantis is dealing with a hurricane that just killed five uh, residents, right, uh, of his state, I believe. And uh, he got power outages, he got more destruction right on the heels of another hurricane. And... The attack against him, I would submit, is ill-timed. DeSantis, as far as I can tell, has not responded. Uh, He's busy, you know, governing, which is what he should be doing. And it's one of the reasons why he got a 20 percentage point win was because of the way he has handled emergencies in his state, uh, notably the most recent hurricane. This is something that all governors and presidents learn uh, which is during times of natural disaster, you know people expect you to step up, preferably you know not in a blazer uh and tie, preferably with some sort of uh you know emergency management shirt with the sleeves rolled up because you're working you know they expect that even if you even if what you can do is limited by you know the the constraints of the office, they expect you to be there and if you like if you're out of town you 're out of state or something, remember all of the uh, the grief that Ted Cruz caught when the storm hit Texas and he was out of the country or something and everyone was like, oh, he's not even here. Well, he was on vacation, I think. And and so it can it can harm you politically. So DeSantis is doing what he should be doing, which is leading his state during a time of natural disaster. Of course, Donald Trump doesn't care about that because he's got his eyes set on what's important to him, which is him winning uh, reelection. Him getting back into the Oval Office. And um, the fundamental question here is whether or not Trump can win. Right? That's really at the heart of this, is whether or not Donald Trump can win that race. Not simply the primary. Let's assume he wins the primary. Right? Let's assume nobody even runs against him. Clearfield. And let's assume Joe Biden is the he's going to run again, too. So it's a rematch. Let's just assume that that's the way this shakes out. I don't know who else the Democrats have, honestly. (laughs) Kamala Harris. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. Gavin Newsom, maybe. Okay. Um, so let's just assume it's Biden, that he's not removed for, you know, 25th Amendment reasons. You know, all the things that the left and the media, but I repeat myself, were saying about Donald Trump for four years, like maybe they actually do force Biden out. I have seen some indications that there is a movement afoot among the left and the media. But I repeat myself that they're going to try to force Biden to say, no, I'm not going to run again. But I don't think Biden uh, I don't think Biden wants to step away for for much the same reason that Donald Trump and most people, when they get to that level of politics yeah i mean there's a there's a certain personality trait you have to have in order to succeed at that level i I really do believe that and it's not necessarily a personality trait that would endear you to people in your real life so let's assume it's a rematch of biden and trump right the fundamental question is whether or not donald trump would win again. And the only way we can sort of judge that, because if you're like me, you don't put a whole lot of stock in polls, right? So what do we have to go on? We would have past performance. We have the last election, right? Obviously you've got the fact that, you know, Biden beat Donald Trump in the last election. Ah, see, yeah, here's one of the, here's one of the problems. And this is why we can't ever really address this in any kind of substantive way is because as soon as you say that that's the fundamental question, then the obvious piece of evidence becomes 2020. But if you can then dismiss the 2020 results, now now you've impeached the, quote, evidence, and now you can just ignore that. And then you can go back to 2016 when he beat Hillary Clinton. Not with the popular vote, obviously, but with the Electoral College vote, which that's what the race is for. And all the lefties who were like, You know, oh, he only won the electoral vote and he didn't get the popular vote. It doesn't matter. The race is for the electoral college votes. That's how you run the race. And apparently Democrats didn't know that or something. I don't know. Republicans did. Donald Trump did. Right. They ran a campaign on that strategy. They did it very effectively and they won. And you may not like those rules, but you should have run the race, Democrats, under the rules that we all abide when we run races. So. Now the question is, does he perform better, right? Does he perform better the next time around? Does he convince other people, or not other, does he convince people to vote for him that last time did not, right? Let's assume that the turnout is the same. Let's assume that uh, there isn't like some, uh, some batch of voters that didn't vote last time, but totally would have voted for Trump this time, right? What you're talking about then is trying to assess whether enough people are moving towards him would move towards him in a re-election fight. That's the fundamental question here, right? The idea is that he would win or he would not. And people who are uh, saying, you know, he needs to get out, he needs to, uh, uh, you know, shut up, he needs to just, uh, you know, uh, uh, retire into the sunset, whatever. You know, DeSantis is our guy. Like, I recognize, like, the people... I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of the people that are making the case for Trump to get out, were also making the, tr- uh, the case that Trump should not be the nominee, right? <laughs> There's a, that Venn diagram is almost a perfect circle on that one. They didn't like him before. They still don't like him now. And so they want him to go away. They think he can't win again. Okay. The people who think he can win again, they want him to run again because they think he can win, right? Obviously. But what if you're wrong, right? What if, what if he can't win again? What if we are seeing signs that he cannot win? I've mentioned this before. His approval numbers are below even Biden's. So what does that indicate? And by the way, Donald Trump is a known entity. There's, there isn't any, oh, well, I'm not sure about him. So there's this big chunk of people that you could maybe persuade because they haven't heard of you. Everybody has an opinion of Donald Trump now. So, with an approval rating at 35 to 40%, Biden is somewhere around 40% as well, 35 to 40%. They're basically even there. So, who are the people that are going to move away from Biden and vote for Trump? Is there a large group of them? Who would those be? Hispanic voters, black voters, or do they stay home? The you know, white female, the awfuls, the uh, affluent white female. Liberals, right? suburban, uh, moderate Republican females, do they, do they come home? Do they start voting for Donald Trump? As we talked to Rich Rubino yesterday, he said you can't uh, draw conclusions off of midterms in order to project them onto the, the general elections, and I believe that to be the case. But there are, there are signs. There are states that Republicans lost this time around. And these were, you know, MAGA Republicans endorsed, endorsed by Trump, and these were uh, quote-unquote rhino Republicans. It was a mixed bag. So I think that's the fundamental question. Meghan McCardle asks this question. She says Trump is bad for the party's electoral fortunes. Do you agree that Donald Trump is bad for the GOP? From the home. To play the all right, so happy Veterans Day. Also, belated birthday to the U.S. Marine Corps as well. Thank you, everybody, for your service. Welcome home. And uh, all of the families as well that support the uh, support military people and service members in America, we appreciate your service as well. Uh, also, reminder that Hero Day, if you are a veteran, or active military, you got your ID on you. Also, if you're a teacher, first responder, or a member of the medical profession, you can get access to Hero Day at the Charlotte Auto Show. It's on Thursday, November 17th at the Charlotte Convention Center. It's the 29th year the Charlotte Auto Show has been there, and Brett Wintermull is going to be hanging out on that Thursday at 3 o'clock for Hero Day. And uh, so go check him out. Say hello. Uh, all right, so the phone number is 704 570 1 800 WBT 1110. Megan McArdle is a columnist at the Washington Post. She says, Here's the thing that everybody who studies elections as a professional knows, and none of his followers will believe. She says, Trump is bad for the party's electoral fortunes. The more he takes over the party, the harder it is for the party to actually wield power. The problem isn't his issue set, it's not the issues, it's him. The party can win on more immigration restrictionist platform. It can win being more moderate on Social Security and Medicare reform. It can win on some culture war issues, too. But Trump makes it harder to win congressional majorities. And that's the problem. She says Trump is bad for the GOP. Maybe good for him, but bad for the GOP. Do you agree with that? And do you think, then, that the fundamental question here is because if he can win, right, then you would think that he would be good for the GOP. But I think embedded in her assessment here is that he cannot win again. And therefore he is bad for the GOP. And there may be a third of the the voters that really or a third of well, yeah, I guess a third of Republicans or a third of the voters that really, really like him, but two thirds do not. Now, given the choice between him and Biden, well, we already had that choice offered to us, and people chose Biden. And we just got an opportunity to cast our votes against what Biden's been doing, to take out our anger at the current circumstances against the current regime, and kind of not so much did it, right? To, not so much. Now, maybe things get w- way worse. Unemployment grows. People start losing jobs. And when that happens, then people are willing to take it out on Biden. And maybe it won't even matter if it's Donald Trump or not. But I tend to think it it will matter if it's Donald Trump, because I think Donald Trump, again, everyone knows who he is. We all have an experience with him as president and uh, his favorability numbers are already known. They're already sort of baked in. And I don't think that changes just by him going out on the campaign trail. But maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? Like, seriously, like I'm just these are just my thoughts for whatever that matters. What are yours? 704-570-1110, 704 570 1110 1-800-WBT-1110. Yes, I will get to the, um, the comments he made about DeSantis on his social media thread the other night, or last night. Uh, but first, let, oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. This is it. Hello, Lori. Welcome to the program.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: Hey, I'm good. What's up?
1: So I was just calling. I think the GOP's kind of got themselves between a rock and a hard place. Because if they think that Trump can't win and he doesn't win the party's nomination... Then I don't think he's going to go off quietly into the night. I think he's going to pull a Ross Perot and run as an independent, and then therefore split the Republican Party vote.
0: I think that's a very plausible theory. Yeah, I think that uh, that is a very uh, likely scenario. And I don't know what the party does about that. I agree, they're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, I, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know how you address it. I don't know how you. You keep Trump happy if he loses, because he's going to if he loses again, I assume he's going to say that the process was rigged as well. I agree. Yeah. Laurie, thanks for the call. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Have a great weekend. Uh, If you want to weigh in on the 704-570-1110, (laughs) 1-800-WBT-1110. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Happy Veterans Day. All right. Is uh, Trump bad for the Republican Party's electoral fortunes? Uh, Megan McArdle writing, Basically, every professional in conservative politics is privately scathing about him. Even some folks in his orbit are. They know he's bad for the party. They just don't dare say so aloud because his voters will not believe it. This has led to a massive preference falsification cascade where virtually the entire party pretends, to varying degrees, to think that Trump is doing a good job. She says, look, any honest commentator would acknowledge his successes. Brett Kavanaugh would not have been a Supreme Court judge, right? The Abraham Accords, they seem to be working pretty well, right? She celebrates Operation Warp Speed. The problem is he cannot assemble a strong political coalition. Which is how you get stuff done, right? The thing about mass preference falsification is that it's vulnerable to cascades. Do you know what a preference cascade is? It's it's when it's sort of I think of in terms of like you know early adoption of a uh, an item, you know, or a fad or something. At first, no one's doing it. It's this weird, rare thing, and then all of a sudden, when people see others doing it, sort of peer pressure kicks in. It's a form of it. And this preference cascade, all of a sudden, it's like boom, 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 boom. Everything falls. Everybody falls in line. It's like, oh, I prefer that too. I mean, it explains fashion trends, right? All sorts of things. But a mass preference falsification is vulnerable to these kinds of cascades. Which is why repressive regimes crack down on any descent, no matter how mild, because you don't want to let that snowball to even start rolling down the hill, even an inch. Trump is good at this, by the way. He's very good at it, Um, at stopping the preference cascade or starting one. He's good at it in part because too many Republicans are cowards, she says. We've seen cascades starting before, remember, after the Access Hollywood tape, after January 6th. And then Trump brazened it out and jumped on dissenters and the party fell back in line. Seems like we're now witnessing the beginning of yet another attempted cascade As a few brave souls read the undeniable message of yet another worse than it should have been election and suggest it's time to move beyond Trump. Will this time be different? Not unless the Republican Party decides it wants to actually govern rather than avoid primary challenges in deep red districts, which is to say I am skeptical. Yet I hope, she says. Now, I also heard yesterday Jason Lewis filling in for Brett Winterbull and he was talking about a piece that he wrote for The Daily Caller. And uh, and he was talking about it on the show yesterday. He made a lot of great points about the swamp, quote, deep state, whatever, you know, the professional class, the consultant class, whatever you want to call it. But how the game works and Jason would know, being a former congressman and all, uh, you know, uh, Trump, you know, helped him in his reelection uh, or his campaign a couple years ago. So he had, you know, on the ground firsthand experience with Donald Trump and the way the consultant class operates and the way leadership operates. And so we had a lot of good insights. I'd urge you to go and pull the podcast uh, from the show yesterday, but I've got his piece here at daily caller and uh, he hits on these themes. I'll get to that in a minute. First, let me jump over to the phones and get
1: uh, JP on. Hello, JP. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you so much for allowing me to say what I have to say. Yeah. I I gotta say, I I have loved Donald Trump. I loved his America first. Uh, I loved his, uh, patriotism to the veterans.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, However, I think he's irritated enough people that it's kind of sort of put a bad taste in too many people's mouths, and people don't want to be associated with him, and I wish, because if you you study human psychology, the memory really is is, uh, a a fickle thing. Mm. If people would just, if he would just disappear for three to five years, and just literally disappear and stop doing anything political, and then he came back I think he'd have a better shot, but he needs to just back out because uh, there's too much bad stuff in people's in the, the, the in the frontal memory of their of their heads right now. You know, I can't. He, he alienated people. He picked on reporters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and that just doesn't wash away. And I think what this—I I, literally just uh, in the last hour, I got a uh, notification that apparently the uh, library that's being built for 44 uh they discovered a noose on the building construction site
0: that for obama yeah the obama library or whatever it is yeah
1: correct correct and my thought is america is in such a quagmire right now why doesn't somebody like why doesn't bill clinton uh why doesn't uh george bush why why don't these people start unifying people instead of dividing people if we don't want to be conquered We'd better get unified. That's just
0: my thought. JP, I appreciate the call. Thank you All so man. much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you too. And uh, let me go over here to Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program.
2: Hello. Hey, how are you? Well, uh, my thoughts are this. Simple numbers. 75 million voters voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you assume that only half of them voted for him, Rather than against Biden or because they're Republicans and they always vote Republican or they voted for the incumbent, the incumbent president. That's still about thirty seven and a half million people. The party cannot do without those thirty seven and a half million people. Mm-hmm. Despite what this lady or any of the rest or and she sounds quite frankly too much like Liz Cheney to me from what you just read. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you, you can't dispel, you can't discount, you can't disown thirty-seven and a half million voters.
0: Right, I, I'm not aware of anybody party, saying. Party, so, what you're saying? Wait, well, hang on. So, am I to infer from that then that if Trump doesn't get it, then those people will refuse to support the Republican candidate?
2: That is a distinct possibility.
0: Well, then you're asking for a different standard for Trump supporters versus non-Trump supporters.
2: What I'm what I am trying to say is this that if the party decides or if it becomes evident that he is unelectable, then the party will have to find a way to make him happy in his retirement.
0: Do you really think that he can be made happy with anything short of a renomination?
2: I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure
2: either. I think this. I think that Trump likes to be honored. He likes to be to receive accolades, mm-hmm. and I, I think that there's been a lot of Republicans that have, uh, well, they didn't, they've, they've kind of run away from him. Mm-hmm. They haven't really defended him very much. They think that the January 6th committee, in their heart of hearts, may have something going on. Now, the fact of the matter is, if you have listened to, the, to President Trump's speech on January the 6th, he said at least twice that they were going to walk peaceably down the boulevard mm-hmm. that they were to be peaceable. They were to obey the law. They were to honor the law enforcement officers. So obviously, the folks that was involved in the rioting were not conforming to what President uh, President uh, Trump.
0: But see, was. this is one. This is part of the problem, Jimmy. Because uh, I, I I did listen to the the president's speech twice, actually, and. Uh, followed the. So did I. Yeah, and followed it all through the, the, the committee hearings and all of this stuff. And I've got a story actually in today about one of the prosecutions going on against one of the oath keepers. Um, shocker of shockers, the second in command of the oath keepers had, had been an FBI mole and was giving them information for months ahead of time. Oh, that's you know, that, I think that's pretty important. But here's the problem Have you ever heard the expression, if you're explaining, you're losing?
2: Oh, I absolutely have yeah. heard that. Yeah. So.
0: This is the problem, is that it makes this issue part of the debate, and you just explained it better than Trump would, because Trump is not even, he's not very good at explaining things. So, uh, like, this is...
2: Unfortunately, sir, you also have to realize that one of the objectives, in my opinion, of the Democrats and their propaganda uh, allies is to demonize all Mm -hmm. Republicans. Sure. That we are all... We are all undesirables and are all uh, enemies of the democracy or enemies of the state or whatever they want to call us. Mm-hmm. And, and they're starting out with the MAGA folks.
0: Yeah, no, I understand that. Gonna... I just think it's a lot easier to make that argument against Donald Trump than it is, say, uh, Jeb Bush or Mitt Romney, right? Like, the, it's just an easier argument for them to make and for them to persuade people that are actually able to be persuaded. Uh, Jimmy, I appreciate the call. I mean, it's a fair point. I agree with you. That is exactly how they paint all Republicans. It's just easier to do it with Donald Trump. That's all. I mean, that's I mean, that's true. That's true. It may not be fair, but it's true. Here's a tweet from uh, MAGA American Pitbull to me. It's a Pete tweet at Pete Callender. Pete, love hearing all of the military service anthems as as children. My dad, World War II veteran, U.S. Army Air Corps, made us learn all of them. I still remember each and every word. Um, And this one is from uh, Terry, who says, I have to say that I would have appreciated it if President Trump had just held off with any announcement at this time until the results of the official election were finalized. Trump's release might be needed, but not now for sure. No mud is needed right now. um Let me go over here to Philip. Welcome to the program. Hey, Philip, how are you?
3: I'm doing well. Hope you are.
0: Yeah, I cannot complain. Well, I mean, I do actually like for three hours a day. So I take. Well, it you
3: got freedom of speech, man. You got it made. <laughs> like right. we live in a day at of mockingbird press, and see, they went against Trump since 2016, mm-hmm. and. They had his phones wiretapped, you know, mm-hmm. they t- tapped his phones, and then you know, the establishment Republicans, they didn't want nothing to do with Trump. And, and see Bush, George Bush, in this past election, he didn't even support the rhinos,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know? So it's like the, the Republican establishment, they're happy with Clinton's, see? I mean, Hillary's the shoe-in, because, you know, you go back and look at the war with Iraq over the weapons of mass destruction, everything... That George Bush said about the Iraqis, Hillary Clinton was a Mockingbird, and everything Dick Cheney said about the Iraqi weapons of mass destruction, Hillary was all on board with it. Right and until two she wasn't. They're sides of the same coin. Right until and she that's wasn't ruling this country, and they're globalist, and that's that's the way we're going.
0: Okay, I mean, you realize like Democrats flipped on all of that, and then they were, you know, talking about they're against the war when it became politically expedient as well
3: well see they're all against Biden
0: no what I'm they, saying back know, at the time can't afford to say it no I'm saying back back way back when in you know oh seven yeah well that was a
3: fiasco. that Iraq war was a fiasco yeah I mean like they were trying to pass it off like oh Saddam Hussein he was behind 9-11 whatever
0: I'm not aware of anybody making the case that he he was behind 9-11. They were saying that uh, we have ignored the area for too long and we knew that he was making overtures to Islamic radicals, which he was, uh, and that he had all of these WMDs that uh, were not being tracked and he had hidden from the U.N. Of course, we found out later on that either he moved them or they weren't there, but he had basically bluffed his way uh, into the world, believing that he had them. And I mean, hot jokes on him, right, because then he got invaded over all of it. but. Um, now they used the 9/11 passions in order to get American sentiment behind the war effort. No doubt about that.
3: But well, the the real reason behind that Iraq war. Let's ask the question: Is like Saddam Hussein was paying two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to any family that lost a member in a suicide bombing against the the Israelis. Mm-hmm. And you know,
0: which is standard. That's par for the course over in that part of the world. Like, they pay they people to commit acts it. of violence. They didn't
3: come out and say that's why they wanted to bring... That's not why they... Insane down.
0: That's not why they... That's not why we... Or is this going to end up with something about the Jews? Is that where this is headed? Is that where you're well, headed? You know, it's like... Yeah, that's where it's headed. It's always the Jews. Yeah, we went into the Iraq War because of the Jews. Okay, Philip, whatever. <laughs> the problem is you're talking to somebody who remembers that. I was, I was reporting on it. I was covering it at the time... And then I hosted this show and we were, you know, eyeballs deep in this issue. It was not because Saddam Hussein was sending money to suicide bombers to kill Israelis. That's not why America went to war in Iraq. You can make a lot of arguments. That one, I mean, you could say that maybe we were trying to do a solid for an ally, but that is not, that was not the predominant, right? There is an entire military industrial complex that you can actually identify and you can attack, and you could say that's a way more believable idea than simply because Saddam Hussein was giving money to suicide bombers, which is standard practice over in that part of the world. These Islamist uh, uh, fundamentalists pay their own people to blow themselves up and kill Jews. And others, by the way, and their own people. They're kind of indiscriminate about that, what with the suicide bombing and all. So, uh, but thank you for... Uh, thank you for uh, taking us down the path and and identifying yourself uh, before I lost too much time on that call um let's see Tuesday's elections were about incumbency and money this is what Jason Lewis talked about yesterday when he was filling in for Brett winterbull and uh so a lot of people are like trying to you know read the tea leaves and and make uh, these grand assessments about why what we saw happen happened and Jason Lewis makes the argument made it yesterday that it was about incumbency and money. We'll go over that, get your uh, thoughts as well. Got other calls on the line. I'll get to you guys too. Stick around. <laughs>